0: and welcome to another episode of the Career Anatomy Podcast. My name is Jeff Borup.
1: And I'm Rebecca Clark.
0: And our guest today is Brian Perkinson. Brian is an attorney. He owns his own consulting firm and is here today to tell us about what it's like to be a lawyer.
2: Welcome. Hey, thanks, guys. It's good to be here.
0: I'm very anxious to hear your story, how you started when you first thought about being a lawyer, um. So take us down that path. Yeah,
2: for sure. So I have uh, I've got about three, I think, three uncles and a grandfather who recently passed away, all of whom are or were attorneys. So I kind of grew up with that a little bit of a understanding of what goes on. I always felt like uh, the skill set for what it meant to be an attorney was something that I kind of had just intuitively. I was a really fast reader, really loved to read, really uh. Interested in arguing with people all the time. So I felt like that was just something that you know, I, I fit right in Honestly, I was probably like 12 or 13 when I started telling people "Oh, if I don't play in the NFL I want to go to law school, you know, that was kind of my spiel From from an early age and you know, I realized pretty quickly that I love playing football But the NFL thing I was a realist. So that probably wasn't gonna happen and uh,
0: my career spiraled out. yeah, when I was about 12.
2: So. <laughs> my my lasted till I was maybe 18 or, or 19 oh, but, better uh, than most. <laughs> but yeah, I figured that one out pretty quick. So in school, I started even undergrad, I went to Utah State, actually went up there to play football and um, I figured out pretty quick that I was gonna do law school. And my dad was a accounting guy, you know owned his own small business, very kind of conservative, focused. And his deal was like, look, as long as you go to law school and, you know, okay, you can go be an English major, but you're going to go do grad school afterwards. And so I'll let, I'll let that slide. So I did, I did English because I loved it. And it was almost like not even really going to school. You know, I just had a good time. I took a bunch of accounting classes and, you know, business classes on the side, but did the English thing. And to be honest, I think, you know, there was a lot of benefit there. Um, got into law school and I just watched the way like other people read. And I'm just had a huge advantage because I was just got through so much faster. So I think there's there's something to be said for kind of the ability to read quickly and comprehend well and write well.
0: My understanding still is there's no real requirement for, no. for an undergrad. Mm-mm. Um and each each one you hear about poli sci and and you know, there's justice studies, mm-hmm. undergrads, etc. It seems like there's different advantages to each. It's just how you use it.
2: It's hard because I feel like you don't know what you don't know until you realize you didn't know it. You know what I mean? It's, it's one of those deals where the law is so broad. I almost think it's, it's almost a joke that the bar that, that you take like a bar, you know, your practice is so much different than what I'm doing. It's pretty much not the same thing. And, and I think that's kind of an interesting thing about being a quote unquote lawyer. I mean, you could do public defender. You could be, you know, literally, literally like spending your day with kind of, the most unfortunate, some criminals, some probably not criminals, but that could be your day or you could be a lawyer who deals in multi-billion dollar transactional deals and doesn't have anything to do with criminal law or anything else. I mean, it's just the spectrum is so huge that if you, if you knew in advance what, what area, you know, what part of that spectrum you wanted to be on, then undergrad would probably matter. But since most people, I'd say virtually everyone, unless you have a dad that's a lawyer, that's a transactional lawyer and you think that's what you want to do. But most people, they don't know. So I would say, you know, when I, my kids come to me and say, Hey dad, I think I want to be a lawyer. I'd say, okay, you're going to go do like history or English, you know, some, some liberal arts major and you're going to double major in accounting because I can't tell you how many lawyers end up being civil litigators and don't know. I mean, they're suing people about financial transactions or things that have happened, and these guys have no idea what they're even talking about. Even basic finance stuff that like a kid graduating from ASU in accounting or finance or something would know, these guys don't know. You know, I think I think if you had like kind of both sides of that, you'd probably be really well suited for uh, for law school, but not everyone's that ambitious.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. It makes sense to be kind of well grounded in in something fairly broad. Tell us about choosing law school. Which how did that process work? Mm-hmm. Once once right. you figured out you didn't wanted to go, you knew you wanted to go.
2: Yeah, I knew I wanted to go, and so I uh, I decided I was going to go. I got married right before I took the LSAT, which I would not recommend. Um, I recommend so, getting married, but not 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 doing it right before you're going to take the LSAT. The LSAT's the admissions exam right. into law school, right? Right. So, I did really well in undergrad. Um, you know, graduated top of my class, had pretty strong credentials as far as undergrad grades. And I had, I was pretty ambitious. You know, I wanted to go to a, you know, a top tier law school. I just didn't do as well as I wanted to on the LSAT. And it was before, now it's a little bit different where they let you, you can retake and they take your high score. At least most schools do. Um, Back then, and I sound like I'm old, I'm not that old. That was like 10 years ago. They just, or 15, 12 years ago, 13 years ago, whenever that was, they don't, they would average them. So you didn't really get much of a benefit by retaking it. Um, so I, you know, I I didn't do poorly. I just didn't do quite as well. I wasn't going to get into those top tier schools that I wanted to get into. So then I kind of had to reassess, well, what am I going to really do? Started talking to some local guys who've been really successful here in the valley in, in Phoenix. And talking to them, and they said, well, where do you think you want to be? And I said, well, ultimately, I think I want to be back in Phoenix. They said, well, if you want to be back in Phoenix, you should probably think real hard about getting into ASU or U of A, because you're going to build contacts there that are going to be people that are working where you're going to be working. You'll have the time to network with people in the Valley that you want to potentially work for. And the reality is, you go to a firm or go work somewhere in Phoenix, they're going to pay you the same as they're paying some dude that they hired from, even Harvard, even if you had gotten into that top tier school, they're pay the same. Um the only difference is that guy's gonna have three hundred thousand dollars in student loans and if you go to ASU, you're not. Mm -hmm. And so that kind of changed my attitude and I and I did. I I applied at ASU and U of A, got in there and got into a couple other places and just kind of made the decision that could get in state tuition at ASU was going to be a fraction of what I was going to be paying some of these other schools. And ultimately, I just decided, you know, I felt a little bit like a sellout because I'd always wanted to go back east, wanted to do something else, and I felt like, oh, man, maybe I'm selling out. But ultimately, it was the best decision ever. And, I, and I'll give you a little bit more color there. I, I kind of knew in the back of my mind that I might want to do an MBA as well. So I was able to go to ASU, got in-state tuition, I was able to get into the MBA program, which, you know, the MBA program at ASU is pretty good. And, you know, all in, I ended up spending a frack. Even with my MBA, I spent less than I would have if I'd gone to law school at, you know, Georgetown or George Mason or, you know, Colorado. Some of the other schools that I'd gotten into that, you know, I was looking at. So for me, I was thinking pretty critically about it. I think a lot of people just, oh, they got in somewhere and, okay, feeling good and I'm going to go. I kind of... Made some decisions based on where I thought I wanted to be ultimately. Now the funny thing is, I ended up six months after graduating, moving to New York, and spending you know four and a half years in New York City. So you never know, and that's I want that to be like the main theme um, of of my spiel here is that you can plan and you can make good decisions along the way, but but like the key is always to be open to react. And when some when a good opportunity takes you somewhere that maybe you didn't think it was going to take you, you just got to go. That's that's just how it works.
0: From day one, it, there's financial concerns that you're considering. Even taking the LSAT is several thousand dollars right. to prep for. In addition to undergrad and all the money there, and, and then you're facing all these, you know, student loans, etc., coming from law school. Describe your experience
2: in law school before we get jump ahead to New York. Tell yeah. us about what that was like. I think I have a unique approach. So I came in. I started law school in 2007. I really did. I, I felt like I'd sold out, but I felt like, okay, now that I'm going to ASU, I'm just gonna spend all of my time networking with people that I know. You know, people, like I said earlier, my, I've got a lot of family that are in the legal community here. Um, my, you know, my dad and uncles are in the business community here. And I just, I went out and I said, Kate, you know, tell me everybody you know that you think I should get to know. And I probably took more lunches as a first-year law student than, like, any first-year law student ever. Probably studied a lot less than most first-year law students. Probably played a lot more golf than most first-year law students. But part of it was, it was 2007. It was pre-crash. Everybody was getting jobs. Everybody was getting jobs and making a lot of money. And I felt like I knew that I was going to be in the top half of my class without really trying. And that sounds, you know, but everyone kind of knows. You, you get there, you get a feel for what the you know, for what the, the group was like. And I felt like if I just showed up and did my stuff, I was going to be fine and I was going to get a good job because I was, I knew all these people. And so I probably didn't take it as seriously as some guys. And, and the funny thing is I, I, I became friends with a lot of third year law students. Um, and they kind of took me under their wing and said, see these guys like s- spinning their wheels. You don't need to do that. Here's some outlines. You know, here's, here's the way you need to figure this out. And so I kind of shortcutted a little bit of the process there. And on the one hand it helped, but on the other hand, a year later, the world was ending and all of a sudden everybody's job offers are getting pulled. Everybody's summer, you know, summer clerkships are getting cut in half or cut, you know, by 3 quarters and you know my attitude of, "Oh, all, all I got to do is be in the top 30% of my class and I'm going to get a, you know, $100,000 plus job," got thrown out the window. And so I was like kind of scrambling and Luckily, I had worked hard enough to, to kind of justify getting some interviews. And I, I got a good first year, um, first, first year summer gig, which for, you know, people who are interested, you know, every summer, that's when you go out and you do like a three month internship. And usually for law school, first summer gigs are hard to come by. Usually you have to do them and they're free or you have to kind of scramble. And then it's usually your second year gig that, that kind of, if you do a good job, that's a lot of times where you'll end up working, or at least in, in the way, the way the system used to work. Um, and then 2008 came along and that kind of threw people for a loop. And I, and I had a good job my first summer and I, I really liked it. I learned a ton. I mean, I got to work on some super cool stuff, but I knew that it was with a pl- plaintiff litigation firm, big plaintiff, like litigation firm. We worked on a couple of, like billion dollar deals. I knew I just couldn't see myself doing that forever. And then I got a, my second year, I got a offer from a smaller kind of boutique firm here w- with a guy that I really liked. And that was the reason I took the job there. We just kind of hit it off right off the bat. And he is actually now coming, you know, come full circle. He's the chief bankruptcy judge here in Arizona and he's become a mentor of mine, just this all around amazing guy. So I took a job there. I really liked it liked what was going on but in the back of my mind was still this MBA thing and I had I had taken some you know test prep cuz to do the MBA you had to take the GMAT so I had taken the GMAT done pretty well I had applied got in and I still hadn't told these guys that I you know that I had taken this job from and you know it was the end of the summer and I was going to go back and I had to start the MBA program if I wanted to do it you know within like a week and so I, I got this full time job offer from this firm, and I went to him and said, "Hey, this is what I got going on. I saw I made a decision. What do you think?" And <clears throat> to this guy's credit, he was just really supportive. I said, "Look, um, you know, you've done a great job. We obviously gave you an offer, so we obviously want to hire you, and we will hire you if you know if you still want to come back here and work. But I think this is a good thing for you in the long term. So I think it's you know in your best interest to go and do it. And you know that was kind of all I needed." Um, I, I'd had some experience. While I'd worked for them, it was a restructuring, kind uh, of bankruptcy practice, and I and I realized that I would benefit from having more finance and valuation and accounting, and so I felt like it was a good thing for me because I liked that area of the law, but I felt like I I would benefit from having a little bit more legitimacy in in that space, so ended up kind of deferring that job, and going and. Doing the MBA program and it was it was a good decision for me. Hmm. I I I get a lot of questions about it. Like people think, oh, JD MBA be a good combo. It's a lot of school. It's a lot of money, not just the money you have to pay, but it's a lot of time away from working, a lot of opportunity cost. And in I would say ninety percent of legal jobs, probably not necessary. But in my case, it was a really good thing. Hmm. So
0: that's good to hear. We're gonna take a quick break right here, and then when when we come back, let's talk about what you're doing now, uh, you know, where the law practice is going, what it means to, to practice law to you. And we're here with Brian Perkinson, attorney in Arizona. Whether you are camping in the wild outdoors or walking the urban streets of a busy downtown, you want the accessories you are wearing and the tools you are using to have significance beyond a certain look or style. Quoro Leather is a local Phoenix-based business that understands this. They appreciate the art of leatherworking and time and effort needed to make something that lasts real, raw cut, leather. Visit QuoroLeather.com for more information.
1: So you were in law school when the economy crashed Mm -hmm. and that kind of change like the course of your thinking towards your future. What was your frame of mind during that crash?
2: It was, I hesitate to be too dramatic because I skated through pretty well, but it was, it was dramatic for a lot of people I mean it really was not a good time to be coming out of law school. And it was, yeah, I mean, yeah. Jeff, you can probably, yeah, you I can probably attest to that. I mean, <laughs> I'm it was a witness. A, it was a really bad time to be coming out of law school. I have buddies, maybe somebody, I'll probably send a link out of this and some of those guys will probably listen to this and they will laugh because they know that I'm talking about them, but I had buddies that really got screwed. I and mean, they got screwed. They got job offers retracted. And the legal profession is, was in such a, a, a deeply rooted kind of track and process. That all of a sudden you're like the lost generation, right? That sounds dramatic, but it, it really was. If you don't get a job in your second summer, it, the profession, especially for kind of firm jobs, was just not really well suited for those guys who, what, what do you do? And I say guys, I should not say guys, for people who didn't have that job. And a lot of times it was, I mean, those, some, some of the best kids in my law school, highest, you know, ranked kids in our class, just happened to second summer at a firm that pulled offers that was a highly rated firm. And now these guys are scrambling. And the problem is a lot of those guys are not scramblers. That's another thing that, that, you know, a lot of times the, the guys who are ranked at the high, you know, high end of the class, they just assume that because of their grades and everything else, they're going to get a job. So they're not the guys that are out doing what I was doing, which is hustling. On the 16th green? Yeah, they're not hustling. They're just studying and and doing their thing. And so when all of a sudden they're not getting jobs, they don't know what to do. And I think, so to to answer your question, the the short answer is, yeah, it totally changed my perspective.
1: Do you think it changed the way people even now handle law school and go to law school? Do you think it kind of...
2: I hope so. I hope it. they're smarter, and I hope the I hope the people at law schools are smarter. To be honest, I think and and I think it is that way from what I've seen. I think they are advising people better. I think people are taking more initiative and realizing that you can't just expect to go to law school and end up with the you know six figure job coming out of law school. That if you if you want you got to know what you're trying to do when you go in, and you have to be really focused on it while you're there. You can't just think that you're going to slide into this really, you know, high paying job. Maybe, maybe if you're at, you know, I can say, I was about to say, maybe if you're at Ivy league school, but I lived in, I lived on the upper West side in New York for four and a half years with a bunch of guys that all came out of Columbia and some of them had a hard time finding jobs and they were super smart. It's not, this isn't just an issue at ASU or U of A or You know, wherever. I mean, I think this is an issue. The legal practice has just changed a little bit and it's slowly getting better. I think they're slowly hiring more people. But I think the days of, you know, massive law intern boondoggles and taking 20, you know, interns every summer, I think those days are kind of gone. Um, there's a lot of pressure, you know, for these big law firms billing young lawyers at ridiculous rates. I think they're pushing back from that. So, I think people need to think, think a little bit more strategically. I'm not saying the law isn't still a good way to make a living, but I think you gotta know a little bit more about what you wanna do before you just cut a, cut a big check to go to law school.
1: Makes sense. So speaking about New York, can you tell us a little bit about how you ended up with a job offer in New York and what your decision process was for taking that and moving there? Because it sounds like you really want, like you, you know, really rooted yourself here and right. planned on being here.
2: For sure. So I'll, I'll, I want to take that two tracks because I, I think it's important. So I went and did the MBA and then I, f- I finished both, right? I had to go back, finish a few classes in law school, and then I graduated in both. And while I was doing the MBA program, I, I really was just out pounding pavement. kind of knew that I had a job. If I really wanted it, I had a job to go back to, but I wanted to see if there was something that would maybe be a better fit. And I came across my former boss, uh, one of my mentors, who, you know, was a, he he was from the East Valley, and my dad knew him, not professionally, just knew him personally, and said, hey, I, you know, I think the stuff that you want to do is similar to what this guy does. You should go talk to him, start taking him to, uh, you know, I took him to lunch, and then I literally just bugged the crap out of him. I mean, every couple weeks, I just bugged this guy about, hey, who do you know, da, 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 da. And finally, after, you know, months of doing that, he said, hey... I just lined up this big deal. It's going to be, you know, it's going to be a long deal. It's right up your alley. It's a, we're going to, we're an expert on a big fraudulent transfer litigation. And you've got the litigation experience. You're at the NBA, you're doing the finance valuation stuff. You'd be perfect fit for this gig. But it wasn't at a law firm. It was at his consulting firm. And I thought, okay, let's try this out. And I, and I worked for them for a summer and it was just, it was, it was just awesome. Loved it. It was a big. It was a out of a bankruptcy case, this massive litigation, and, and my boss was going to be the expert on this big fraudulent transfer case, and and I was still in I was still in Arizona. One of the guys in our New York office, I was kind of working under him, and just had a blast. And they liked me, and I stayed and kind of worked there while I was finishing up law school, while I was taking the bar, and then as soon as I took the bar, I started full time, and that was here, and I was you know working a lot still on this case. It was based in New York. And one of the guys quit that was working on that case. And I was kind of the, kind of the guy that had the most institutional knowledge of the case. And my boss said, Hey, would you be willing to? And at the time it was, you know, six months. Would you be willing to go out there six months? And my wife and I were, you know, in a position where we felt like we could do that. And we'd always kind of wanted to do something different anyway. And I figured getting some New York experience wouldn't ever be a bad thing. Um, and so I and so we pulled the trigger, and you know six months turned into four and a half years. And the reality is, we probably could have been there longer if we hadn't had three kids while we were there. Three kids in in the city is like, you know, it's like having ten kids somewhere else. So that that ended the the New York thing. But you know, we always wanted to come back here, and I was really pretty persistent about maintaining contact, my contact base here, staying in touch with all my law school buddies, staying in touch with every you know everything that was going on, and. So when we did come back about a year and a half, two years ago, you know, it was pretty fluid. It wasn't it wasn't a big change. Coming, I mean, it was a big change for us personally, but it wasn't like I'd been gone too long because I'd done a pretty good job of staying in touch with people. But the other thing I was going to say about that is I kind of figured out about halfway through law school that I didn't really love law school, and I wasn't sure I was starting to question whether I was going to love practicing law for the rest of my life. And so this opportunity coming along was pretty cool because it showed me that my skill set, there's a lot of other places that you can plug in that skill set than just the traditional working at a law firm every day. And that's been something I think that, you know, when people say, what's the benefit of going to law school, I'd say, well, the benefit of going to law school is kind of the the expansive nature of the, the education that you get. I mean, you can really apply that even if you're not practicing. And my, you know, our work is very legal in nature when we're doing bankruptcy and restructuring advisory work. And so even the cases that we work on that aren't in bankruptcy, the distress deals or, or, you know, conflicts where there's usually some component of a litigation or a bankruptcy case or something, but usually it's us hiring the lawyers or the lawyers hiring us. I'm not necessarily doing the day to day filing in a court. Now I've kept up all my you know, bar, I'm a member of the Arizona bar and I can do stuff and I do things on the side occasionally for certain clients, but usually it's just kind of using my legal knowledge and writing abilities and just all the, just the critical thinking the problem solving, all the things that you pick up in a legal practice. I use that stuff on a daily basis.
1: seems like the theme of, kind of your like school, career, job, like everything you've done has been really like focused on making contacts. How did you know that would be important?
2: I joke about it. Um I had a huge advantage in that I grew up with the dad who I always joke about. My dad's the guy that sits down at the airport and makes three friends before his his plane leaves. Mm-hmm. That's just that's just yeah. I have the same dad. Yeah. So I I grew up in I think You telling me your brothers and sisters right now? Yeah, (laughs) a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think I saw that and I saw what a benefit it was, um, for him as far as his ability to kind of be successful in his business. And I just realized that a lot of people, it's funny how you talk to people and they're like, Oh, you know, I would never want to talk to, you know, my dad's friends. I feel like, like, no, man, you have a, you have a skill set, right? Like, LeBron James isn't out there running on one leg, right? He's got two legs. He uses them, and that's why he's awesome. You know, he because he uses all the skill sets he has, right? All the all of the advantages he has. And I feel like you take the advantages, and and then you do the absolute best. And that doesn't mean you're mooching. It doesn't mean that you're you know resting on someone else's laurels. It means you're taking every advantage you have, and then you take it to the the maximum that you can. And I tell people that whether it's you know a buddy's dad or whether it's someone at your you know, it's your neighbor or it's someone in your church or whatever it is. I mean, you, you just you just take that and you network. And it's and it doesn't always it's it's like exponential. It's not necessarily that you're going to mooch off your neighbor. It's that if you know your neighbor is a partner at a big law firm and you just say, hey, let me take you to lunch, offer to pay to take them to lunch. Ninety nine percent of the time they won't let you pay, but they'll let you go to lunch and you just pick their brain. You don't beg them for a job. You just pick their brain. And then they're thinking about you. And then you just look for reasons to follow back up with them. You have to find those reasons, right? You have to find something. You look for reasons. And then you just... And and they might not have something, but they'll know someone else who has something. And that's just how... I mean, the jobs that I ended up getting were usually not with the people that I knew. But it was like, oh, I interviewed with this guy who I said was my mentor. He didn't know me. I didn't know him. But... As we started to talk, some of the other people that I had been networking with ended up being super good friends of his or guys that he had just finished working on a deal with that were able to give me really good, you know, recommendations. And that process, there's there's nothing. I don't care how smart you are. There's nothing that will benefit you more than getting out and just networking with people. That's how the world works.
1: So, Okay let's say that like poor kid from poor neighborhood doesn't have a next door neighbor who's an attorney, like doesn't know attorneys, but kind of has this inclination that someday he wants to go to, or she wants to go to law school. How do they find people to network with? Is there like, is there <laughs> some kind of situation they can put themselves in where they're meeting these people or meeting people yeah, that I, would be important?
2: I think, I guess it depends on what we're talking about. If you're talking about like pre- college or like pre-law school. Uh, let me hit that in a second. But for kids in law school, I mean, I'm on the board for the Maricopa County Bar Association bankruptcy section. And I mean, just we have a mentor program. I didn't know about it when I was in law school, but it's awesome. I mean, they, the list of people that they have who are willing to just take a phone call and like let people pick their brain I and mean, that that kind of opportunity is out there. And, and I think there's a lot of stuff like that. So if you're in law school, you get to law school, but you're like, I just got to law school cause I'm smart and I worked hard, but I don't know anybody. Like there are a lot of opportunities and people are, I think you'd be surprised at how willing people are to talk. But as far as, you know, someone who maybe they're just graduated from high school, they're, you know, working a summer job and they're trying to figure out how to make their way. You know, they think, Hey, I want to be a lawyer. That sounds like something that I would like. Honestly, everybody knows somebody. Whether it's their boss, whether it's someone that comes into the restaurant that they work at, you know, or whatever it is, it really just comes down to taking the initiative and being cool. Just be cool. Just look someone in the eye. You know, say you're a waiter at a restaurant and you see a guy and you notice he's coming in with legal files. He's, you know, he's sitting there doing his stuff. Just say, Hey, I'm really interested in, in going to law school sometime. Could I take you to lunch and pick your brain? And I, I will guarantee, unless the guy's a complete douche, I will guarantee <laughs> that, or or she is a douche, you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> equal opportunity. Equal, yeah. There's, you know, both both can be douches. Um, I guarantee that they they will be probably taken aback, but that they'll give you a few minutes to pick your brain, and and you never know where that will go. I mean, those are the kinds of things that can change your life, and that sounds dramatic, but it's not. I mean, that that's how you do it. And, you know, the opportunities are harder. And, and the reality is if you don't have a lot of those kind of natural contacts, you might have to be a little bit more outgoing to get there. Um And that's, you know, that's just kind of the nature of the beast. But I think everybody has an opportunity to make those contacts if you're kind of keeping your eyes open and you, and you got your head on a swivel and you're looking for them.
0: Brian, I want to know, are there any regrets that you have along the way? <laughs>
2: getting a little personal here and I'll just keep the personal regrets (laughs) to myself. Um, Second date material. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, let me think about that for a second because I'm, I don't want to just spout something off that's stupid and then think about it and think that, Oh man, I actually did have something worthwhile to say. Yeah, I do. I do have a regret. And this is something that I would, um, if you are in undergrad and you are thinking about going to law school, Everybody has their own situations, but if you've been really, you know, pushing hard, working hard undergrad and and you're burned out even in the slightest, I would say do not roll straight into law school. Um my biggest regret from from a kind of career perspective is I, you know, I have very ambitious uh, this is all self-imposed. Like I at the time I was thinking, man, my dad like he was out there doing all this stuff, always, you know, really ambitious. I just, I, I really did feel like I had to get moving and get going. And I, and I was married while I was in undergrad. I, I just gotten married. I just felt like a lot of pressure. And so I hurried to graduate as soon as I was done playing football. I, I was playing football and then I stopped playing football and I was like, hey, if I'm not going to play football, I'm, I'm going to get done as fast as I can. I graduated in three years and I was like, I'm going to go to law school and get this done as fast as I can. I got to law school. I was totally burned out and I hated it. My first year, I hated it. And I think that impacted kind of my attitude towards law school. I think I would have gotten a lot more out of law school and business school if I hadn't felt like I was just trying to get through. And I think I would have been more, I think I would have enjoyed the experiences more, probably would have been more outgoing with my law school classmates and like made more contacts at law school had I been enjoying it more and just had I been in a better frame of mind and I look back and that's one thing I don't care how I mean, even for people who are going a little bit later at the end of the day, if you're, if you can be successful in law school, whether you go when you're 25 or 26 doesn't mean anything, nothing, zero. Doesn't matter if you go when you're 32 or 33, it doesn't mean anything. This is a, you're not playing NFL football, right? This is not a, career that has a shelf life you know you can practice law Mm -hmm. until you're 95 years old if you want to gets better with age and you're going to make more money the older you get it really you really are so there's no reason to rush into it you know if you don't do as well on the outside as you as you want or you're just feeling burned out go take a cool job you know go drive around the country go do get, get some cool experience go do something and get your mind right you know and get ready. Mentally, physically, emotionally, whatever. So that when you do start up law school, you can get 100%, you know, of the value. You're you're paying a lot of money. You're spending a lot of time. Get all the value out of it. That's probably my biggest regret as far as that goes.
1: Since you're a huge reader and you love English, what's your favorite book?
2: (laughs) So my favorite book, this is like my stock favorite book answer that I always give people because it changes, right? No matter what you're reading, I kind of, over the years, I would say, my selection would probably change but the one i always fall back on when i have to pick a book is probably Cormac McCarthy's Blood Meridian. Um Cormac McCarthy's for those of you who don't know who Cormac McCarthy is. Um so he wrote The Road which was won the Pulitzer uh, 6 or 7 years back was Oprah Book Club and that kind of put him on the map for non-readers.
0: Is that how you heard ab- about him?
2: No, but um kid? no it wasn't okay. but I will tell you a funny story about this, and the, and the reason that I also use him is uh, I was a really kind of a snob reader, and I was an English undergrad, so it was like classical literature, all this stuff. I was not into contemporary literary fiction until I went to law school, and I had some buddies who were also readers, and they were kind of like, dude, you need to chill out and like read something else other than, you know, <laughs> Homer or something, you know, Dostoevsky or something, you know, weird. And so I started one of them was like you need to read this book and it was um Cormac McCarthy's The Road and I read it in between my civil procedure and torts final exams my first semester of law school I had I had civ pro on a Friday and I had torts on a Monday and I got done with civ pro on Friday afternoon and I sat down with this book and I was so over studying I was not going to study anymore I sat down with Cormac McCarthy's The Road and I read it in one sitting till about three o'clock in the morning and finished the whole book. And my, I mean, my wife's just like, you're an idiot. I'm going to bed, you know, and I sat there and I read it straight through. And from that point on, I was like, I love this guy. And then I read, um, one of his other books, the next, my next finals in between, um, two finals. I read, uh, No Country for Old Men, which a lot of people know because it won some Academy Awards. Um, was an awesome movie, Cohen Brothers movie, but Blood Meridian's kind of like his, is critically acclaimed kind of masterpiece and it is brutal it is just absolutely brutal um just read it again actually like a month ago and just finished it like a month ago and it had been four or five years since i'd read it and i'd forgotten how just absolutely brutal it was but it's it's awesome so that's uh that's my favorite book
1: i'm also a reader so i appreciate that
2: well you should check out Cormac mccarthy he's he's amazing well, Brian, thank you so much
0: for being with us and sharing your story. I think you're an excellent reflection of the millennial attorney who's okay. been through the war,
2: essentially. It's
0: great to see you doing well, and we're really lucky to have you here sharing your story with us.
2: Well, I, I, uh, I really appreciate you guys having me, and I was excited to do it because I really do think that I think there's a lot of opportunities out there. And I think for people who... You know are willing to think creatively about this you know gain your gain the skill sets but don't get caught up in the rut you know get those skills and then look for ways to put them to work i think that's the that's really the theme
0: awesome well thanks thanks for being here and thanks everybody for listening
1: listening, then thank you for being here. This podcast is produced by Still West Productions, and new episodes are released once a month for your listening player.
0: Show notes and ideas originate from our blog, and links can be found on our website at www.careeranatomy.com. You can also follow us on Twitter
1: at the handle at Career Anatomy.
0: The views expressed on this podcast are ours alone. And are in no way an implicit nor direct reflection of the views of our employers. We hope our discussions motivate you to jumpstart your own career research and develop your own opinion on these professions and how to achieve success in your field.
1: Thank you for listening.
0: And we'll see you next time.